Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to a very dark episode of the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly show that explores the origins and development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Christine Panton. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This is an episode which Pete didn't want to do. Well, he nope. didn't want to do the story we're about to do this week. <laughs> but obviously, Pete wanted to do that issue of The Flash we did a few weeks ago that was a bit tenuous. If you remember yeah. me saying the word tenuous quite a lot. I was like, right, I'll do it, but we have to do that Supergirl one. And Pete went, ah, okay. So it was a negotiation. Quid pro quo, Clarice. <laughs> we haven't had to do too many negotiations, to be fair, have we? No, We've not, not really. been on the same page. You've done way dodgier than this. Yes. I suppose, yeah, those lowest lanes. <laughs> sure. This is an interesting one, listeners. We're doing a story from issue 417 of Adventure Comics. And it is not the only story we're going to do from issue 417 mm-hmm. of Adventure Comics, but it's the only story we're going to do this week. This comic was published on the 27th of January 1972. That's directly between the end of the Doctor Who story, Day of the Daleks, and the beginning of the Curse of Peladon. If you mm-hmm. want to place it in a in a wider context, of course, season nine has just been released in Blu-ray, and I'll give a quick plug to the recent episode of the Power of Three Doctor Who podcast that I'm still occasionally involved with because we've just done an episode on that. So go and listen to that after you listen mm-hmm. to this, if you feel so way inclined. Peter's going to tell you about the cover to issue 417 of Adventure Comics now. It's a very striking cover, literally, because we have on the left-hand side a group of female soldiers with futuristic weaponry, and Supergirl is punching one of them. That's why it's a striking cover. Because on the right-hand side, we have some men, all manacled and (laughs) shackled and chains and bound and looking all enslaved. And one of them is shouting, Stop, Supergirl! Don't save us! We want to die! It's very emo, isn't it? Yes, it's very, very ominous. Dark. Mm. Mm-hmm. People keep saying dark. It's not that dark. It's just that we're. Mm. <laughs> they want to die. They want to die. I think wanting to die is pretty dark. Yeah. It's not the most cheerful and upbeat of optimistic <laughs> sort of covers, I suppose. Well, to round it out, at the very top, we have, again, we're at that strange period where there's not a proper DC logo. So we've got a nice picture of Supergirl in the circle and the Adventure Comics logo. And it says, starring Supergirl in All Men Are But Slaves. And then at the bottom of the cover, there are banners telling you what the other stories are in this issue. We're not going to tell you that because we're going to cover one of them next week. Ooh, mm. exciting. We must clarify, when it says all men are butt slaves, it's butt spelt with one T. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it adheres to the comic code. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very, very much so. This is one of the, the 52 big pages don't take less yes. comics. My copy's very nice, I have to say. My copy's Almost pristine, not a crease or a mark on the cover at all. Excellent. Very happy. Where did I buy this? Can I remember? Oh, I bought it from City Centre Comics. There we go. Of course you did. City Centre Comics in Glasgow. Be sure to visit them, listeners, if you're ever in town. So, without further ado, we're going to jump in. It's an interesting one, this. It's very of the time, mm-hmm. I think. But, you know, it's a, it's quite a common sort of sci-fi trope that's being visited in the story. You've probably guessed it already from Pete's cover description. But we shall see how we got on. Our opening splash panel has a massive Supergirl logo. And we're told that she's appearing in a story called... All, All Men, Men Are, are But Slaves. slaves. Yes, and again, that's but with one T. 
And we have a large, large full-page opening splash image which shows Supergirl battling a weird, really quite unpleasant-looking sort of giant harpy-type figure. Mm -hmm. A vicious-looking face with evil attack eyebrows and vicious green eyes and horrible, gappy, sharp teeth and big, long talons. And this creature is swiping at Supergirl. In the background, we can see elements of a cityscape and some foliage and a few humans standing around. Women wearing the similar uniforms to what we see in the cover and a couple of men wearing what look like contemporary 20th century earth clothes. Now, as she ducks away from this massive scary harpy figure, Supergirl is thinking This world is ruled by women! I would have been welcome here if I hadn't tried to free Johnny and his father from this nightmare. But now I've got to fight this mystical monster and without my true powers! And then a further caption tells us This is a tale of another world. Or perhaps it is a tale of the future. Our own future. And another caption box tells us that the creators of this story are... Script by Steve Skeets. Art by Bob Oxner. Edited by Joe Orlando. The first panel of page two appear to be in some contemporary Earth domestic setting. We can see a rifle on the wall. We can see some more furniture, including a chair that's been knocked over. Dominating this image is a, a middle-aged man, thick-set, balding, wearing a dark green suit. And he's reaching for the rifle on the wall. And as he does this, a young girl is trying to restrain him. I say a young girl. She's probably like late teens, early 20s. She looks about that age. And this girl is saying, Please, father, leave that gun where it is. There's no one in the house except us. And he replies, What's wrong with you, Dorothy? They're in the library. Can't you hear them? Or are you in league with them? Is that it? My own daughter in league with them. You get a closer shot of this gentleman in panel two. Um, we can see the sweat on his brow. He's got the rifle off the wall now. His daughter's still clinging to him to stop him. And he says, Well, no matter what you're up to, you're not going to stop me. I've got to protect myself. And with a bock sound effect, he strikes his daughter Dorothy and she cries, Oh, and falls to the ground. The caption for panel four. Driven by his mad panic and unaware that his desperate blow has rendered his daughter unconscious... The harried and armed suburbanite rushes into another room. The library. Yes, yeah, so he takes his leave. Good shot of the rifle. Shot of Dorothy lying on the ground. And the caption then for panel five continues. Where? And we see the gentleman firing three shots with his rifle as he cries, You're not going to take me back! And he continues in the next panel. Huh? The bullets had no effect. You're... No! Stay! Stay back! Ah! We get an extreme close-up of him yelling and screaming in the final panel of page two. Gosh, if that's not a good cold open, I don't know what is. Now we arrive at the top of page three, and the caption for the first panel there says, It is Johnny Drew's sister who was accidentally knocked unconscious, and Linda, Supergirl Danvers, is with him when he visits her at the hospital. There's lots of heavy blacks and the shadows and the, the dark areas of this story. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. It makes it look very, very moody compared to the sort of brighter Superman family stories we might be used to. There's a lot of deep shadows in this first hospital panel. Dorothy's in the bed. Johnny wears a blue suit. He's a nice necked cravat thing going on. He's a bit of a Beatles mop style haircut, almost a cross between Davy Jones and George Harrison. Mm -hmm. Linda is there in the background. We can see that she's wearing a nice big cap, sort of pink striped patterned dress, big chunky necklace, all very 70s. Johnny is saying, How are you, sis? Never mind me. It's father I'm worried about. I'm afraid he's really gone off the deep end this time. What? What do you mean? Dorothy gets a shot to herself in panel two. She says, well, you know how moody father's been lately. No, not just moody, but paranoid too. 
afraid for some reason of all women. And we see Linda and Johnny leading in as Dorothy continues in panel three. Tonight he was really in a bad way, flipped out, kept yelling that they were right there in the house, and then he went for his gun. I tried to stop him, tried to calm him down, and that's all I remember. She starts to cry in the next panel. She has her head in her hands. Johnny looks on concerned as Dorothy says, Mrs. Briggs, our next-door neighbour, found me when she came over to borrow something and had me rushed here. She says, Father was nowhere around. You're the only one I could turn to, Johnny. You've got to find Father. There's no telling what he might do in the state he's in. I don't want him to hurt himself or do something he'd never forgive himself for. Instantly, Johnny rushes out of his sister's room and toward the exit. Johnny and Linda march off down the corridor. Johnny is saying, My sister's right. I've got to find him, and fast, but first I'd better drop you off at your place. Well, if you don't mind, Johnny, I'd like to help if I can. And shortly at the Drew home... Yes, we're back in that disturbed living room. We can see the chair still tipped over. Johnny's picking up the rifle. Linda's examining the bookcase in the corner. Johnny says, I thought I smelled gun smoke in here. Here's father's rifle, and it's been fired recently. Yes, Linda has spotted something unusual. There's a bullet over here, embedded in the shelf. Say, there seem to be quite a few books on magic around here. It's a shame she didn't say there's quite a few books of magic. And then we just suggested (laughs) (laughs) that that was the the inspiration for the Mm. the seminal Neil Gaiman miniseries. Mm. Anyway, we arrive at the top of page four. Johnny's standing up, holding the rifle, and he replies, Oh, yes. Mysticism and magic used to be one of father's big hobbies, but that was quite a while ago. Linda looks pensive, and she strokes her chin in thought. Hmm. That's one aspect of this I don't particularly care for. She kneels down in panel two and continues to think. If mysticism is somehow involved in whatever has happened to Mr. Drew, I may be in trouble. My superpowers aren't much help when it comes to dealing with magic. And at this point off-panel, Johnny says... Hey, this is weird. And we see in panel three that he's picked up a book that seems to have a piece of paper poking out of it. When father gave up his hobby, he said he never wanted to touch these books again. But here's one out on his desk. And if we look closely, we can see the book is called Witchcraft. Hmm, interesting. Johnny continues. With a sheet of paper stuck in it. Something written on it. The caption for panel four goes on to say... Almost absent-mindedly, he reads aloud the strange words written on the slip of paper, and suddenly... And we don't get to hear the words, unfortunately, but Johnny starts to fade out. He grows translucent, transparent. He turns in a panic and says, Hey, what's happening to me? Linda! And Linda turns and says, Huh? And then in panel six, oh, this is a cracking shot. This may end up in a tweet, actually. Johnny is fading out, growing completely translucent with a pale sort of blue, and Linda cries, Good God! You're... And then in the final panel, we see that Johnny has vanished. The piece of paper drifts to the floor as Linda cries once again, He's... he's gone! Wow, we That'd be the first commercial break, wouldn't it, listeners? <laughs> and we now, of course, arrive at the top of page five, the caption for the first panel. A quick costume change, and it is Supergirl who picks up the note that fell from Johnny's hand. And Supergirl thinks, Don't know if this has anything to do with what happened to Mr. Drew, but my fears about getting involved in mysticism have certainly been realised. Looks like there's only one way to find out what's happened to Johnny. She reads the note, and even before she has completed one sentence of the weird mystical words, the haze sets in. The note begins to vanish from her hands. 
it's an interesting panel this because we see it's almost like Supergirl standing in front of some kind of cobwebby style mm. mosaic that appears mm. to be sort of forming in front of her. That's obviously the effect of what's going on because the caption for panel three says, And as the haze clears. Yes, she's now somewhere else entirely. She's standing in a multicoloured rocky landscape. We can see what looks like multiple suns or moons or other planets in the sky. And in the distance, there's a, a large space-agey looking futuristic style city. Supergirl thinks. Wow, another dimension. A mystical dimension, perhaps. Don't see Johnny anywhere. Looks like there's a city there in the distance. I'd like to bring it closer via my telescopic vision. That power doesn't seem to be working. Supergirl takes to the air in panel four, flying towards the city, thinking. Can't be that my powers have clicked off. I can feel that I still possess my other powers. Oh well, guess I'll just have to fly over in order to have a closer look. Stands to reason that that's where Johnny probably is. It's the only sign of civilization anywhere around here. In panel five, she starts to descend into the city. Now we can see that the city is busy and populated, by a number of young women. Frankly, they all look like members of the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Very futuristic style, you know, sort of leotard types and futuristic haircuts and earrings and stuff mm. all going on. Lingerie models. Yeah. <laughs> As Supergirl descends from the sky, she thinks. Phew, nearly flew right past this place. It's much, much closer than it looked. No wonder my telescopic vision doesn't work here. The normal rules of perspective don't seem to apply in whatever dimension this is I'm in. So the final panel of page five shows Supergirl walking amongst the women of this other dimension. We can see in the background someone wearing what looks like definitely some kind of police-style uniform. Mm -hmm. Blue tunic with a yellow belt, yellow helmet with a sort of flash on it. Supergirl looks around, taking it all in, and she thinks, These people don't seem at all bothered by my presence here among them. Only women on the streets. Wonder where the men are. Indeed. So we now arrive at the top of page six. Supergirl looks to her left and sees a large metal red cage which appears to have six or seven, well, six or seven men inside it. Supergirl notices this and thinks, Oh, there are some men. And there's Johnny. And from inside the cage, Johnny cries, Supergirl, is it really you? Supergirl moves closer in panel two. Johnny continues, I'm Johnny Drew, remember? We met in San Francisco. This is like a miracle. After two years, I gave up hope that anyone had come along who could save me. Supergirl looks astonished at this, and she thinks, Two years? Well, why not? If normal perspective doesn't apply here, I guess it makes sense that the normal rules of time don't apply either. Panel 3. Slightly different shot of Supergirl talking to Johnny through the cage as she says, What's happened? Why are you in this... this prison? What have you done? Nothing out of the ordinary. It's... Just that here in this world, women are the rulers. All men are slaves. You've got to get me out of here. Get me back to my own world. And Supergirl does her best Eric Idle impression in panel four as she starts to bend the bars of the cage to open it up and she says, Say no more. <laughs> and not as good as a wink to a blind bat, eh, listeners? <laughs> Caption for panel five. However... And we see that some of the women... The non-uniformed women who are milling around or just going about their business have noticed what Supergirl is doing. One of them cries, That one! She seeks to allow the slaves to escape! And another one says, She's a male sympathiser! And the final one points and says, A traitor to her sex! Supergirl is aware of the rumpus that she's caused, and she turns and thinks, Uh-oh! 
Johnny starts to emerge from the cage, and a tiny caption tells us... Continued in second page following. Yes, we pass a full-page advertisement for Aurora model kits, cars and stuff. So that's quite nice if you're into that sort of thing. And then we arrive at the top of page seven. The women in the street are moving towards Supergirl, almost as if to attack her. And Supergirl says... I may have broken your laws here, but you're not going to put me behind bars. And in panel two, it's almost like Supergirl's leapt into the air slightly, and she throws some of the women backwards, crashing into the others knocking him over, and she says, If you ask me, it's pure insanity to imprison your men. However, that's your business. But as for Johnny, he's from the world in which I live. Therefore, he's coming with me. And in panel three, we can see that Supergirl has basically just knocked all of the women over, which is fine. (laughs) Women fighting women, absolutely fine. Panel four, Johnny emerges from the cage further. Supergirl says, So much for them. Come on, Johnny, we're getting out of here. I'm not sure how we can get out of this dimension, but by applying the same principles I use in time travel, I should be able to get us back home. Johnny hesitates and cries, No, wait! We can't leave yet. My father's here too. Your father? Yes. He's been here even longer than I have. He was in the group that was taken out to work in the farmland this morning. There's almost a scene missing here because we're now on the first panel of page 8 and Supergirl is taken to the air again and her and Johnny are flying over the farm lad flying over the fields. We can see lots of men working with rakes and hoes, ploughing and such like. Johnny looks down and says, There's the farmland! This seems to be a completely agrarian society. They have no factories, industrialization. Father's the oldest one down there, the one who's going bald. <laughs> oh, that caught a bit close to the bone, didn't it, fellow baldies? Feeling a bit old, David? <laughs> Pete, you're catching me up. Give you a couple of years. Don't you worry. <laughs> Happens to the best of us, man. Supergirl replies, Check. You take care of him. Help him. Tell him that we're here to save him. Next panel's quite interesting. We can see again the other moons and planets in the sky. Mm. If you're so inclined, you could probably take a drink at this point, listeners. As Supergirl drops Johnny to the ground, she says, Meanwhile, it looks like I'm going to have my hands full keeping these guards away from us. We saw one of them in the background earlier on, but you can see there's a few more of the armed policewomen in the blue tunics and yellow helmets standing around. One of them in the foreground of the panel points and says, That is the one we were warned of. She seeks to free our slaves. She must be imprisoned. Caption in for panel three. And as the battle begins, the Maid of Steel notices... And as Supergirl punches out one of the policewomen, she thinks, Uh-oh, I was afraid of this. Once again, I've momentarily lost my powers. I still have my substitute powers, thanks to the bracelet provided me by my dad and Candor. but these powers aren't as effective. In panel four, basically, there's about half a dozen of the policewomen now just piling up towards Supergirl, who's doing her best to fight them back as she thinks, Got to stay in close, so these women won't be able to get a beat on me with their weapons. The bracelet gives me some super strength, but I'm no longer invulnerable. The final panel of page 8, we see Johnny and his dad rushing over. Again, you could take a drink if that way inclined, because it looks like there's a couple of full moons in the background. <laughs> Supergirl punches one other police officer over as she thinks, Got to get Johnny and his father over here so I can take off with them as soon as I've cleared these women away. Got to force these gals back. Got to! First panel of page 9 now, there's a caption that says, But suddenly, Supergirl hears a shout from the woman who seems to be in charge. Yes, we get a nice shot, very glamorous police lady with long, curly, dark red hair. Pointing her gun, she cries, Enact alternate tactic! This one is too strong to defeat by conventional means! We must employ more sophisticated tactics! Gosh, did Eric Seward write this dialogue? My goodness! (laughs) Caption for panel two then says, 
Two of the female guards continue to battle the Maid of Might, while the rest fall back and stare into empty air, causing a strange and large wispy shape to come into being. Yes, this is a cracking panel, and definitely you're going to see some, some of these panels on the socials over the next day or two, listeners. A large pink shape is taking form. We can see arms, we can see a head. It's like it's almost like it's coming up out of the ground. Our perspective, we're quite far away. We can't see Supergirl's face, but she's thinking, What's this all about? And then the caption for panel three says, And the wisp congeals into something solid and hideous. Yes, it's the giant harpy figure that we saw in the splash panel. We get a proper look at it here. Long curved back, there's a tail, spines running all the way up its back. What looks like spaniel ears hanging off the side of its head, but we can see that it's got ears. There's a fin on the top of its head, large teeth with massive gaps between them, claws on its feet, talons at the end of its fingers. Supergirl beholds this and thinks, Some sort of giant monster, created a mystical energy. I've got to fight this. Panel four, Supergirl takes to the air. The creature swipes at her. Supergirl thinks, This thing's really there, all right. Breeze from that swing was fantastic. Can't let it hit me, not even once. Not while I'm still vulnerable. If only my powers would click back on. And in the final panel of page nine, Supergirl takes what looks like a flying kick at the face of the creature as she thinks, Still, I am strong. Perhaps stronger than this thing. But I gotta play this just right, or I'll be torn to shreds. And indeed, the first three panels of page 10 just deal with Supergirl fighting, creature ducking out of its way, punching it in the jaw, striking the top of the head. And then panel four, Supergirl's got the upper hand. She knocks the creature backwards, and there seems to be a golden glow appearing around it. Phew! I did it! I defeated that thing! It's starting to fade away. Wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be. Guess their mystical powers aren't as strong as I figured. She's back in the ground in panel five, looks around and thinks, Oops! Here come those guards again! I've got a feeling that creature wasn't supposed to defeat me, but only weaken me and give these others a chance to catch their breath. Yes, and a few more police officers approach Supergirl. Final panel of page 10, she takes another swing at the nearest one, knocking her back. Supergirl thinks, I am weakened. Don't even have enough energy to fly away from this fight. But I've got to keep going, keep fighting. For Johnny's sake, and his father's. Not to mention my own. We're now at the top of page 11. Caption for the first panel says, But just then... And it's a nice aerial shot above the, the farmland, above the fields. We can see all the, the ploughed lines. We can see a bunch of police officers standing around, Supergirl with Johnny and his dad. But there's a massive burst of glowing energy in the middle of the panel and the head of another woman wearing a sort of skull cap with large hooped earrings appears and says, This fighting must cease! Now! Nakrinar, you're to bring those three who have caused this fight here to the castle! And one of the policewomen salutes and says, Yes, my queen. Supergirl, standing next to Johnny and his dad, thinks, Some sort of mystical three-dimensional projection. Or just a big sort of hologram scary face, she might have said. <laughs> Supergirl looks very pensive in panel two, she thinks. This could be our opportunity to escape. But I'm not sure what kind of mystical weapons that would bring us up against. I'd better go along. Maybe the best way to get to the bottom of all this. Caption in for panel three says, And Supergirl and her two companions are led toward the castle. Yes, yeah, nice shot in the foreground of one of the police ladies. In the background we see Johnny's dad saying, I don't look forward to a meeting with the Queen. No telling what she'll do to us. These people are crazy. This isn't the first time I've been a slave here, you know. I came here before, but finally escaped by saying every mystical word I knew over and over and every combination I could think of until I chanced upon the right ones that sent me back to our world. But 
These women came to Earth and brought me back here. And I've forgotten those words I used before. Very interesting sort of shading in the background of that panel. Mm-hmm. Stylistic, this is very, very interesting story. Supergirl considers what Johnny's dad said, and she thinks... So this would tend to explain Mr. Drew's paranoia about women, as well as his disappearance. And a slow dissolve, the final panel of page 12 is captioned... And in the castle... We see the Queen on her throne, and again she's wearing an outfit that's not... It's like, kind of like a cross between Wonder Woman and Princess Projectra, yes. with this weird skullcap crown. She's a police officer standing behind her. There's a police officer in front of her, obviously reporting, and the Queen says... Nakranam! My witnessing this fight has brought something to my attention. It has caused me to notice something I was previously unaware of. And the Queen continues in the first panel of page 12. These two men are not of our world. They're of another dimension. And we see a pointing towards Johnny and his dad. The Queen then continues. You know as well as I, Nakranam, that it is against our laws to make slaves of other dimensionals. As police commissioner, you are to enforce the laws, not break them. But my queen, replies Narkana, and how many times have we all had to say that and we're all sick of it already? And we get this weird <laughs> shot in panel two where we cut to the outside of the building where we can see a handy monorail train passing past just to give us a little bit more context of how they get around in this weird place. We hear Narkana's voice from inside as she says, These men are not unlike our men were years ago. They deserve to be slaves, just as our men are. You did not see this older one when he first arrived. He was arrogant, demanded to see our leaders. And when we said that women ruled this land, he laughed. The Queen replies, That is hardly the point, nor are these decisions yours to make. We jump back inside the building for panel three as the Queen is saying, Our laws firmly state that only our own men shall be enslaved. To which Supergirl says, But why? Why make slaves of anyone? A society cannot truly prosper when one group is enslaved. This is absolute insanity, if you ask me. A couple of the police officers are pointing their guns at Supergirl here to restrain her. The Queen then says, No one asked you. You know not what kind of world this was. was. Women weren't always the rulers here. Once men ruled here, and there were wars amongst our many cities. Our atmosphere was choked with pollution. Finally, we revolted. And since then, there have been no wars and very, very little pollution. But this is hardly any concern of yours. For the final panel of page 12, the camera pulls back, as it were. We can see Supergirl standing with Johnny and his dad. So the, the policewoman standing with their weapons. And the Queen saying, You're about to be returned to your own world. That, as you well know, Nakrana, is what we do to all other dimensionals. Return them. Make sure they never come back here. Narkana interrupts, saying, But... Then we turn to page 13, which is a caption for the first panel that says, Ignoring the police commissioner's objection, the Queen turns her attention towards the three other dimensionals, utters a few mystical words, and... We see the Queen gesturing towards Supergirl and Mr. Drew and his son, and then in panel two, it seems like the background has disappeared. And they're growing a little bit fainter. Supergirl cries, Hey! And Johnny says, as a couple of policewomen look on, We're fading out. And then the caption for panel three says, Almost instantly, the three find themselves tumbling through a dreamlike world. Yes, we basically see them falling through the sort of spider-webby style mosaic that appeared before Supergirl when she read the incantation earlier on. Then the caption for panel four says, And once the tumbling has ceased... And we almost see the... 
the cobwebby mosaic dissolving, showing that Johnny, Mr. Drew and Supergirl are back where they started. As Johnny says, We're, we're back in the library. And his dad says, Thank God. Then the caption for panel five says, Then they see the note that both Johnny and Supergirl read from burst into flames. Yeah, piece of paper on the floor in front of the table. It's gone up. Supergirl points and says, Look, that must be the Queen's work. She's making sure we never return to their land. And, caption for the final panel of the story says, Soon as Supergirl departs. There's a cracking shot of Kara taking to the air, flying off as she thinks, It'll probably be some time before Johnny realises he's only been away from Earth a few hours. I'm certainly glad it's all over with now. I wonder, though, is that where the people of this world are headed? If the male leaders here continue to promote wars and help reduce pollution, will the women here someday revolt, just as they did there? Hmm, I wonder. And a very small caption tells us that this is indeed the The end. end. Gosh, food for thought listeners, very political for early 1972. (laughs) This is obviously a long time before the days of Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May and that nice lady in New Zealand and all such like. (laughs) It's taken us a while, I think, but we finally had our first dimension ruled by women story. <laughs> Probably not our last. It's a bit of a sci-fi trope. Yeah. The world sort of ruled by women thing that I always think of first is the worm that turned from, which I think was the 19, either the, I think the 1980 series of the two Ronnies. Do you uh-huh. remember that one, Peter? Yes, I remember it vividly. <laughs> yes. The worm that turned. Yeah. The worm that turned. Yeah. Look it up on YouTube, listeners. Trust us. <laughs> There's an episode of the short-lived Fantastic Journey series where Joan Collins, of all people, <laughs> Feminist icon, Joan Collins. sort of in charge of this place where women rule. And quite frankly, if I could go and live in that dimension, I'd be very happy. There was a story planned for Doctor Who's sixth season called The Prison in Space that featured the sort of women police force. Big Finish did a version of that a few years ago. And of course, the only Star Trek planet ruled by women I could think of was Angel One from the first series of Next Generation. Do you think of any others? Oh no, that's that's very true. Can't think of anything offhand, can you? No. It's the sort of thing you can you sort of imagine Star Trek doing every other week. Yeah, <laughs> you know, certainly in its more un- unenlightened days. There have been, certainly been empowered women and everything, you know. But it's, it's uh, yeah. Well, I, I can't. Yeah, because obviously the true kind of equality story is just a story where any gender can be sure. an interesting and meaningful character. Yeah. <laughs> But even as progressive as the original series was, their final episode, Turnabout Intruder, was about a woman who switched bodies with Kirk because Starfleet wouldn't let her be a captain. Oh, God. That's right. Yeah. I don't yep. think I knew that. No. Oh, no. Yep. Oh, that's fair. Put me off Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. that's terrible. Yeah. So it's an interesting sci-fi trope. What did we think? I I've... thought it was quite fun. Good. Good for you. Okay. <laughs> See, this is interesting. This is interesting because when we were talking about doing this, when Peter asked me if I would contribute a voice or two for this, he sounded quite reluctant like it was going to be one of these seriously problematic ones. And I don't I think this is surprisingly <laughs> unproblematic considering some of the other things of the of the period. I would agree with you. I don't think it's really <gasps> problematic yes. at all. I mean it I mean, have you heard those lowest lane ones? Yes. <laughs> It's a little heavy-handed, but for the time, you know, it's. I think it, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, it's interesting. The the old women are in charge, and the men just work in the fields. You know, when I, you know, when I was a kid and I worked in Abbey National, the staff were ninety-five percent female. When I worked in East Kilbride oh. branch, that was the only male. And do you know what? It was fine. Oh yeah. Put a woman in charge. I always say, 
Get rid of Keir Stammer. Get Angela Rayner in charge of the Labour Party. <laughs> put her in. We'll be fine by the end of the year. I guarantee it. It's an interesting story because obviously Supergirl, I imagine, was probably read more by girls than anything else. It would have been quite interesting if Superman or another mm. male superhero yeah. had gone to a, a yeah, parallel uh-huh. dimension where women were in charge. That might have been a bit more interesting. I was thinking about that Jimmy Olsen one you did. Oh, Planet of the Capes? Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. Uh-huh. With it, again, slavery. Yeah. Slavery is obviously a big theme in... In parallel universes and yeah, dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I quite I like this one because, I mean, it's incredibly heavy hand, mm-hmm. heavily handed, but the, the whole suggestion that a supergirl maybe travel to not a dimension at all, but her own world in the future, that's that's interesting. You know, I, I mean, I don't really see anything wrong with men being subjected completely, <laughs> 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 to be honest. And, you know, maybe that says quite a lot about my psychology listeners. I can't, I'm not going to apologise. I'm not going to go that far. No. <laughs> but if it means an end to war and pollution, then why not? I feel I'm hogging the discourse a little bit too much here. I'm going to shut up for a moment. I like how the Queen clarified it as very, very little pollution. Not no pollution, but very, very little pollution. I mean, I just yeah. want to say, I don't think in a totally field female-dominated society, the Queen has to be wearing a Madonna bra and very little else. She was dressed like... <laughs> Deja Thoris with a cape and a headdress. <laughs> this is true. I mean, it was drawn, but the story was drawn by a man, yeah, obviously. Let's well, that's forget. the thing. Like, I do think this kind of thing, we flip the sexes, the women are in charge. I know not exclusively, but I think it, it's the kind of thing that tends to be written, created by men. Yeah. Because if and women... was in this case. As well, well. If, if women are doing stories, it mm-hmm. would tend to not be about the subjugation of one sex. It would tend to be more about we can have different positions, different characters, different sure. strengths, roles in all sexes. Mm-hmm. It's almost a fable type approach that it's yeah. doing, isn't it? I'm surprised it was Steve Skeets that wrote it because it's a sort of heavy-handed thing I would maybe imagine for Mike Friedrich or the young Harry <laughs> Bates at this point. I mean, it's a bit of a, sure. like, in a way, it's a bit of a pastiche of 70s feminism, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That it if, is, yeah. if mm-hmm. these hairy, pitied women get their way, you know, <laughs> the men will all be in handcuffs. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, maybe the Queen should have been played by Jermaine Greer. We could have given oh. her a phone and got her in. <laughs> well, that would have been quite funny, wouldn't it? That's problematic in a whole different way. <laughs> The Queen with an Australian... I mean, it's and it's also interesting that they evoke sort of harpy-style figure as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because obviously that plays into sort of a slight other sort of trope of women, and there's, there's no real explanation for how that's sort of conjured or not. I thought that was an interesting diversion for a few for a few panels. We've got to have a fight scene somewhere. Well, the laws of physics <laughs> really seem to apply properly in this, in this realm because obviously Supergirl thought the city was a lot further away than it was with her vision. And uh, time doesn't work the same yeah. way there as it does back on Earth. Yes, that's a good point. Like we haven't had a, it feels like we haven't had a dimension where things worked differently for uh-huh. a very long yeah. time. So, that, so that's nice. But it was an offhand comment, and then it didn't seem to develop into much. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like I thought, I when she first said, mm-hmm. "Oh, that's that's why my telescopic vision didn't work," because sure, you know, I, I thought that was going to be a plot point. Ah, in, in more yeah. of a way, but it didn't seem to lead to much. No, you know, or, or indeed anything. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just showing the side effects of this other dimension, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing that struck me is the cover doesn't really. What's going on in the cover isn't quite accurate either, That's is it? No surprise. <laughs> Welcome to DC Comics of the seventies. This is still the period though when you quite often get panels inside that are basically redrawn yeah, versions of true. the cover. That is true. This is what I would I would say is a sort of circa issue forty of the Defender style cover when there's something yeah. that vaguely resembles what's going on in the plot, but you'd be hard pushed to find a scene that's exactly the same. 
Supergirl, of course, headlining adventure comics at this point, and the covers at this period are terrific. They're all quite heightened and all very dramatic, obviously, to encourage sales. We're doing quite a few issues of adventure comics at this point, listeners, obviously. When we get to the Spectre, we'll be doing some more. Yeah. But I'm, I quite, I've got quite a few of these ones, and I do quite like them. They're very, they're almost movie-style dynamic, in a way. A stylistic thing about this one that I noticed the further we got on in the story was especially when all the expositionary dialogue mm-hmm. was going on at the end, was just how big the speech bubbles are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Especially when, when Mr. Drew is pontificating. Chris Claremont, eat your heart out. <laughs> or Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas, indeed, yes. Uh-huh. An All-Star Squadron, but we're still, mm-hmm. as, as we keep saying, we're a few years away from doing that. It's it's not too bad for the whole story, but it's just like, maybe the Queen's head could have been slightly smaller in the first panel so they could have squeezed some more <laughs> of the dialogue in. But even actually in page 12, they have to cut to outside just so they can fit all this exposition in. Now that you two have championed this story, can I take it down a bit? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued as to as to why you were so against it because I, to me it's just another interesting sci-fi trope, other dimension type thing we've not really done before. So, what's it you didn't like about it? It's terrible. Uh, <laughs> you got to have more than that. Come on, it's so I, unusual I for you to be more critical of a story than me. That, that's <laughs> well, hilarious. This is another dimension that uh, Supergirl travels to, where regardless of sex, where there is slavery. Right, and she's aware of it. And she acknowledges it's bad. And she acknowledges it's bad, and she's sent back to her own dimension and then doesn't think about trying to go back and try and solve the problems for the the enslaved people there. Now, before you say that paper was destroyed, Supergirl, as part of her power set, she's the same power set as Superman, she's got an eidetic memory, she's memorised exactly what's on that page, she can say those words at any time and go back there and uh, try and deal with the problem, or at least just try and talk with the Queen and get her point across, and she doesn't. She just flies off, thinking, oh, I wonder if this is the future of our Earth. So so what you're saying, Peter, is you think it's bad that the men have been put in their place and the women are in charge? (laughs) I think it's bad that there's slavery in any way, shape or form. What saying is he's got a very interventionist foreign policy. Yes. On the 20th anniversary of the invasion of Iraq. He's... Yes, very Whoa. much so. <laughs> At the time of recording. <laughs> Coincidence? about politics, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, I'm just saying a very interventionist foreign policy. No, honestly, I'm saying Supergirl... She should be going into other dimensions to, like, throw over their I'm just saying. I'm just saying she should at least go back, talk with the Queen and say, listen... Slavery is bad, okay? She, she did. She told the Queen that. Yeah, but she said it briefly. Well, do you know, maybe, maybe Peter, maybe the men deserve to have been put in their place in this other dimension. You know, if they've wrecked the environment and done all this damage. That's a whole can of worms you just opened there. Yeah. Maybe that says a lot about my political tendencies at the same time. I think you're tarring all men with maybe, you know, a few actions. I don't read it as condoning slavery. Like, I think it's, it's I think it's very clearly anti-slavery. Is it? Yes. Yeah. It's still allowed to exist on this other dimension. And Supergirl says, oh, it's not happening here. But why make slaves of anyone? Yeah. Well, no, mm. well she, the thing is, she does make her point. You know, she says a society cannot truly prosper when one group is enslaved. Who's to say, right, that maybe Narkrana, or however you pronounce it, would have been inspired by what Supergirl had said at that point? You know, and she does try to interrupt the Queen towards the end. Mm. Maybe it's possible that Narkrana will cause some kind of revolution 
inspired, you know, inspired by what Supergirl says. She thinks, you know, maybe the Queen is too harsh. Maybe there will be a little bit more equality. You know, there's a seed of it there. And it's, you do get the sense that not everyone fully agrees with what the Queen has to say. So it's possible. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe if when well, we write our DC comic, we can revisit the dimension and see what if, happened. Would you be assured that we definitely revisit the dimension if we write our DC I comic? Also- Narkrana will have taken over and she'll have become either a very benevolent ruler or an even worse one than the Queen. Hmm, interesting. I think Wonder Woman should go to this dimension and say, it's okay, girlfriend, I've got this. It's a supergirl. And sort it out <laughs> properly. Well, yeah, that would make that would make a lot more sense because yeah. we're talking about female dominated societies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's but, part of the whole thing but of Wonder Woman, yeah. The thing, I don't think the Queen, like, she's wrong, obviously, in enslaving half her people but she's not portrayed as an out and out tyrant because she does care about some of the things that are important like she wants the world not to end yes hence the try to minimize pollution mm-hmm. pollution was a problem war was a problem and she's put a stop to this so you mm-hmm. know it's well, not a full stop to pollution apparently no, i mean she's <laughs> she's gone about it the wrong way obviously but mm-hmm. she's not portrayed as you know a, an out and out villain She's trying to do the right thing for her society, but doing it in the wrong way. Mm, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, I think. Yeah, And I think Supergirl makes it clear she's doing it in the wrong way. Yeah, which will inspire Nakrana to overthrow her and start it all again, start up a new setup. Yeah, I do think that last panel has a bit of a hint that Supergirl recognises the Queen is wrong, but she doesn't necessarily have a solution. Yeah. Because... She knows that in the society in which she's living, in which no one's a slave, but Mm -hmm. obviously I'm not suggesting there aren't problems, systematic inequality and so on, (laughs) but no one's a slave, but there are clearly massive problems that could potentially lead to extinction level events (laughs) and so on. So I don't think Supergirl knows the answer, which is relatable. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> is the answer slavery? No, of course it's not. But she knows that. She says that. But, you know. Yeah. Mm. I think, to be honest, Peter's got a, got a good point. I mean, I can imagine other versions of the story where whichever superhero was taking, taking part would have swept through and caused some kind of revolution and made a big speech and said, you can't be like this. It's wrong to subjugate one sex. You have to be more equal. Yeah. But maybe Supergirl sort of thinks it's not up to me to make this decision. Maybe, But the thing is, she doesn't really have a choice because the Queen sends her home. Well, as I said, she does have a choice because she can go back at any time. I suppose it's one of these things where the powers that she's going to use are only there if the writer wants to use them. And <laughs> Do you yes. know what I mean? It's uh-huh. whichever powers the writer remembers that she has, I think. <laughs> and if she uses her powers to go back there, does that potentially open the door for some of them to come back and steal the main yeah, thing she's trying to protect okay. from, okay, from yeah, her okay. world? You know? Okay, get just that one. That makes sense, yeah. They came back for, for Johnny's dad. Yeah, and mm-hmm. That's true. And the fear of that had clearly had an impact on him. But why did they come back for him? Was he a particularly good farm worker? Or was it it's possible. He's a total stud, obviously. Maybe they just <laughs> like the baldies. Maybe they do. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I think because he's a chauvinist pig and they like to kind of... Put down the chauvinist pigs? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Listen, we could probably talk about this one all night, but we've all got better things to do, so we're going to move on now to the, the contemporary correspondence. Peter's going to take us through that. Yes, Adventure Comics 421, the letter column's titled Super Female. This is not okay. <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> F-E-M-A-I-L. And this is before email was like a thing <laughs> super f email interesting uh, this is terrible interesting. This is, this, i'm sorry this is not okay the, 
There are only a couple of letters that uh, mentioned uh, that story. And the first one says, Dear Editor, Happiness is a Supergirl story free from John Albano. Welcome, Steve Skeets. Hang around, okay? All men are but slaves was a step further on the long road to excellence. Steve Skeets' unheard of combination of occultism and sci-fi astounded and pleased me. However, I was not satisfied with the art. I prefer Win Mortimer to Bob. In fact, I'd fall down on my knees and beg you to use Win if I thought it would avail me. And that's from Mark Luck from Beeville in Texas. Interesting. And the editorial response says... Dear Mark, Steve Skates will be around for as long as we can hold on to him, as witnessed with this issue's Demon Spawn collaboration with Marv Wolfman. As for John Albano, he'll be back next issue. And we think you're wrong about John. He's one of the best. Oh, there we go. And the final letter from this letter column says, Dear Joe, Adventure 417 gave us a great variety of stories, but as usual, the winner is Supergirl. Having Kara visit a matriarchal society full of female chauvinists was a refreshing idea. However, I don't think that the Earth will become a utopia if the female sex takes over. Sorry, girls! And that's from (laughs) Jesus Monteguedo from Miami, Florida. There's no editorial response for that, but uh, Christine, do you have a response? (laughs) None that would be approved by the comic code. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, listeners, do you think things would be improved if the women were in charge? Write in and let us know. You can write to us at theearthtopodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media. Uh, we'll be putting up lots of bonus material for this and indeed every episode on Facebook and Instagram at the Earth 2 Podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth 2 and it's the number two for all of our social media. Yes, if you're feeling generous, you can go to wherever it is you receive your podcasts and leave us a positive review. That would be lovely. And if you're feeling, as I always say, especially generous, you go to our coffee page and buy Peter the price of a beverage. Yes, be sure to check out the socials because I've tracked down a couple of foreign covers for this one, so... Always interesting to note the little differences on those. Yeah, check them out. Absolutely. Our Instagram's doing great business at the moment. Yes. Getting lots of reaction on there, which is much appreciated, especially mm-hmm. especially from our old pal, Mr. Chouffaut, and from Abel. So that's appreciated, guys. I appreciate you. I keep saying appreciate, but I'm grateful that someone is, is looking at what we're doing. It's great. <laughs> it's lovely. And on that bombshell, I've been Peter. I've been Christine. And I've been David. We'll see you again for another story from Adventure Comics 417 next week on... The Earth 2 Podcast! Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. I'll just do all the policewomen voices. You go for it, girlfriend. Yeah, thanks, babe. <laughs> yes, yeah, so a supergirl punches out one of the policemen who dropped... Policemen. Oops, Freudian mm-hmm. slip there. <laughs> out take Karama, smash the patriarchy <laughs> a traitor to her sex Perfect. I want to do them as well now I mean, that's all of a shot out take Karama, that one she seeks to allow the slaves to escape she is a male sympathiser a traitor to her sex there we go oh, was he? <laughs>